You've survived another week. Thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing to the Black Man with a Gun Show. This week, David Cole reminds us that you did a good job, and we stopped the B-A-T-F-E and their crazy band. I'm going to read his comment from blackmanwithagun.com. Also, I'm going to bring Tiffany Johnson back from Range Master. I know she talked already on the show a couple of weeks ago, but she was so nice, I thought I'd bring her back. And I got a comment about focus, an epiphany. All this and a little bit extra coming up next. Boom, 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 boom. This is the Black Man with the Gun Show, a pro gun podcast. And I'm your host, Ken Blanchard. All right, I want to thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing again to the Black Man with the Gun Show, also known as the Urban Shooter Podcast. You know, I found out that I'm still on TuneIn Radio and Stitcher Radio, and there's quite a few aggregators that you can find this show, no matter what name I called it. Been podcasting since 2007, and we've gone around and around. Over a million point three downloads of this show, and I got some friends. You guys have made it what it is today. Check out the blackmanwithagun.com blog, and you'll see what I'm talking about. I'm going to read an article from David Cole congratulating those of you who actually helped us stop the BATFE with their foolishness in the 5.56 debacle. I got a comment about talking to your legislators. The long tail. I think that's what they call it. And it's all about focus. After John Wayne leads us in the Pledge of Allegiance, let's do this. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. This week I've been sitting in the hallway doing a little security work at a hotel, protecting some children that are traveling from San Diego, visiting the nation's capital and history things. And around two or three o'clock in the morning, I have these epiphanies of what I haven't done right, what I'm doing well, and all that kind of stuff, you know. And I was thinking about the last time I was at the range, trying to make a really hard shot. I know you've been there. You're alone in your thoughts. One of the cool things about being a shooter. You have to block out the noise. You have to get your heartbeat and your breath together. You're focusing on your front sight. The target is fuzzy. Whether you're bringing your rifle up to your eye or your handgun, it's all about focus. Focus is more important than intelligence at this point. But so many of us don't focus on what matters. Since the new year, I've been focusing on bringing a new show. I want it to be totally different. I've been talking about it for a minute. Blanchard Outdoors, the hunting, fishing, and an outdoor show. I wanted to combine a lot of the things I've been doing and put them in one place. Going into an internet radio station with other co-hosts, doing it professionally, 
getting an engineer in there and trying to do everything right from the beginning. It's all about focus. Something that I have trouble with, I think, being a creative person, have all these ideas. And then I was looking and taking inventory and all the stuff that I'm doing at two or three o'clock in the morning. And I had a lot of Google Hangouts started and not end or not finished. I had Google Plus pages and YouTube channels and I got a lot of stuff out there, but it's not focused. So I've been slowly taking it down. And what's happened is I feel empowered, sharper. So much of what we do could be that way if we only would focus. Now, when you finally start pulling that trigger and it's slowly breaking to the rear and the shot goes off and it surprises you and you follow through the rapport and you bring your firearm back up on target to start the cycle again and you're watching the cycle of operation. A lot's going on in seconds. But if you trained right, if you practiced right, the focus pays off. You know, Grandma says if you chase two rabbits, both will escape. I've been chasing my dreams with a shotgun instead of a rifle. You've told me that Black Man with a Gun has a purpose. It's been doing well, especially the blog itself. David Cole has given me some good stuff. Rob has come every once in a while, contributed. MJ has done some stuff. Sue has come on board. And I'm waiting for you. But focus has meant that I had to put some stuff down. So I've been working like a fiend in the two or three o'clock hour of the morning on Blanchard Outdoors. Building the Google Plus page, the YouTube channel page. Check out BlanchardOutdoors.com when you get a chance. Reminds me of when I had a big tabby cat and my cat would be looking under the couch to strike something like it was a mouse under there or a ball or something and it would ball up in a ball itself and the rear legs would kind of like start rocking. The whole back body would start rocking like it was getting ready to launch itself. It was focusing so much. It was coiling up like a snake. It was focusing on what was under the couch, getting ready to pounce. I love watching that. The power of the focus of my cat. I haven't had it in a minute. Focus is about saying no to cool people who invite you to be part of their project, but you can't make it. You can't do it all. Focus is not traveling when you want to go real bad. You could probably pinch some pennies and borrow some money. And I've done that way too many times. Focus is keeping your butt in the chair and waiting. Not stop dreaming, but I'm doing. Focus is taking care of family. Focus is taking care of home. Focus is taking care of those 
who, if you if they left you, would leave a hole in you so big you couldn't function anymore. Focus. They say focus stands for follow one course until successful. I'm on it. monolithic you have to work on them one piece at a time and some people you can't reach at all you have to resign yourself to the fact that the person that you're talking to no matter how sane they look no matter how intelligent they are they might never come over to our side for example you will never get Al Sharpton to become pro-gun he's gone too far in the other realm but what you do get when you talk to a person like him is the opportunity to talk to other people. That should be your audience. The one time when I was on his television show, and it was a room of about 30 people, both actors and camera people behind the scenes, boom people, gaffers, and all that. I was not trying to convince Al Sharpton. He was saying crazy stuff. He was talking to the camera of thousands of people. I made sure that I represented us as best I could. But my target audience was the people in that room. Knowing that they were also weighing in on the conversation. When you go talk to legislative aides and congressmen and senators and folks in the political realm, there's never just one person in the room. When you're testifying, there's a whole council of people, but there are more people behind you and on the side of you. And even television cameras that are listening, that's your audience. The person who's debating you and telling you on what we can't do and how we're not going to change anything has already made up their mind. Stop wasting your time. Your focus should be on the one that's on the fence, the one who's listening. That's where you win. When you're in the office and you're talking to your elected official, there are people who are waiting for their turn in line. Talk to them. All right, so you're talking to Congressman X, and he's a staunch reporter, a staunch um, person who's not for us. He's not going for it. Fine. But his aide one day might be a Republican, or not Republican, but a representative. You want to win that guy over by being nice, 
by being respectful, by giving facts, by not being, uh, not attacking that person. You see what I'm getting at? And say you got a conversation going. You got this guy and you guys are having a great conversation, but he's just not turning over. He's not coming to the right way of doing things. But the vote's going to happen today. Stop looking at it as a do or die. If you can keep that conversation going past the vote so that next weekend you're taking that guy to the range. Yeah, we didn't win on this election cycle. But if you can gain that guy as an ally, he's not going anywhere. He might not get elected back into his position, but unfortunately, a lot of the people who are anti-whatever stay around for a while. If you can Take the sting out of that joker. Next time, the next person who comes into the office, maybe it won't be you, but we will still win. You see where I'm going? The focus has to be on the big picture and not on one person at a time. Don't feel bad when the person that you're going to talk to blows you off. You have other targets to hit because the focus is on the win for our side. Not on them. It's bigger than them. Don't forget that. I don't know if I'm making any sense. Because I'm, I'm on a little bit of sleep deprivation at the moment. But Grandma says if you chase two rabbits, both will escape. It's all about focus today. Being an armed citizen means having a gun with you all the time. Carrying a firearm every day requires a holster that is both concealable and comfortable. Whether you choose our Super Tuck Deluxe or Mini Tuck, You'll have the confidence that comes from being discreetly and comfortably armed, prepared to face unforeseen dangers. Crossbreed holsters are handmade in the USA, come with a lifetime warranty and a two-week try-it-free guarantee. Order your holster today at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Do you carry a concealed firearm for self-defense? Are you prepared to survive prosecution by the criminal justice system? Join the Armed Citizen Legal Defense Network. And find out how. You'll get legal help plus a series of educational DVDs and a 235-page book to keep you informed. For details, go to armedcitizensnetwork.org. That's armedcitizensnetwork.org. All right, a couple of weeks ago, um, Dr. Z had Tiffany Johnson from Rangemaster as a guest. And she was such a great guest, we had her on Blanchard Outdoors on our first segment when we were talking about guns. Look for that podcast when it comes out on BlanchardOutdoors.com, by the way. Well, Tiffany is going to be back because she's just, I love her. I mean, actually, it was just a great conversation. She's a smart, um, beautiful person. And without further ado, here's Tiffany Johnson, part two. Miss Tiffany Johnson, welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. As a firearms instructor in Memphis, Tennessee, what do you teach for the most part? Well, I, I teach basically CCW classes. Um, I'm not I'm not teaching any of the of the terribly advanced firearms instruction. I'm still taking those classes, <laughs> but um, but the classes I teach are mostly beginner level, entry level um, firearms instruction for purposes of obtaining a um, state issued handgun carry permit. I'm licensed in Tennessee and Mississippi. 
also have recently begun teaching courses for firearms trainers in um, uh, um, presentation techniques, basically, teaching theory, um, pedagogy, adult learning uh, strategies, that sort of thing. Nice. Have you had any opposition to what you've been putting out? Uh, No, actually. I I hadn't had any opposition. I mean, I'm not sure uh, uh, opposition to what What do you mean. Like, um, do people like want to doubt you that you know anything that you shouldn't be up front? uh, I see. Um, I haven't had any explicit opposition, but... I have gotten some looks of surprise <laughs> uh, when students arrive and see me there. Um, when I am assisting other instructors, I, uh, I've i been, you know, overlooked before and folks have mistaken me for, um, well, I guess the help, if, you, <laughs> if you'll forgive the phrase. But, um, but yeah, I've gotten my share of looks of surprise and raised eyebrows when, when students find out that I'm actually one of the instructors and not another student and not a, you know, administrative support staff that happens to be in the room or anything like that. And that's just gender dynamics and just how we are as people sometimes. Um, that has nothing to do, I don't think, with uh, people. I mean, we just, we just, we just do that to other people, unfortunately, no matter where you are. I think so, too. And, I mean, I I would imagine it probably has to do, at least in part, uh, with the fact that I'm, I'm relatively young for a firearms trainer, and I, I'm told that I appear to be even younger than I actually am. <laughs> I'm 37, but I've had people guess that I was, you know, as young as 27, so it... I guess it just depends on how I encounter people and what the context is. Um, that tends to guide people's preconceptions. And But most folks are receptive and most people are, are pleasantly surprised rather than disappointed when they find out that I'm an instructor. So that's encouraging. Oh, yeah. And that doesn't just start because you're a young woman. I mean, that was my biggest barrier to entry almost 30 mm-hmm. years ago. Um, we have the same gene line where we just look a lot younger than we are (laughs) i'm not complaining about that i'm hoping that that'll (laughs) that'll be an advantage the older i get i I heard that firearms trainer what else do you do well i am an attorney um licensed also in tennessee and mississippi uh to practice law but um i don't have a traditional practice anymore um I used to practice in a big firm here in town, but now I work for myself from home or from anywhere, really, as long as there's an Internet connection. Um, And I'm, I guess the short version is I'm kind of a um, legal writing consultant. I work for other lawyers um, who need briefs written or research done on a particular legal issue. They'll call me and they say, hey, can you write my appellate brief for me? And I'll say, sure. And um, that's job number one. Job number two is I teach at the University of Memphis um, in their legal studies department at the undergraduate level. I coordinate their legal studies program there. Now, see, how cool is that? You are just 
Awesome. Okay, so I got I got a, a legal eagle that's an instructor that's a woman of color and folks got the nerve to second guess you. But we do we, we, we do in this life, that's just how it is. How do how do you here's the question for you that you probably get all the time from people who are trying to do better. How do we bring more women of color into the shooting sports? Like you have the solution for it all. What what, what do you say usually when they ask that kind of a question? Well, my answer is um, you probably anticlimactic, um, <laughs> not terribly dramatic or innovative. I think, A, we need to get more female instructors out there on the front lines, and B, we need to go to where the women are. Um, I think that's true of bringing females into the fold, and I think it's true, of, frankly, of bringing black people into the fold. Um I, you know, my experience here in Memphis, I would imagine, is probably very similar to most medium to large size metro areas in that, you know, there are very distinct demographic lines and people sort of flock to their um, respective neighborhoods. And, you know, if your gun range is in a neighborhood where, you know, uh, women don't frequent or black folks don't frequent, um, you know, that could be a barrier. It's, it's certainly not a, a, a complete impediment, but it can be a challenge. And so I'm a huge advocate of taking classes to where the people are, whatever your target audience is. And it may seem shallow, um, but convenience is a huge factor, you know, and for an audience of folks who may not be 100% convinced that this is an imperative in their life, firearms training that is, you know, the convenience factor can be the straw that breaks the camel's back in terms of whether or not they actually do sign up for that class or they put it off for another month or another year or indefinitely. Nailed that thing. Memphis is on the list of like the top five most violent cities, which I didn't know, but I got a, a buddy that's a, a growing comedian out of Memphis, and he, he uses that as part of his shtick all the time about how dangerous it is. Has the crime issue ever made you become what you are now or got you to where you are? Um, indirectly, it did, yes. Uh, it actually wasn't, even though you're right about Memphis being a pretty violent place, sadly, it wasn't violence in Memphis that, that landed me here. It was violence in Atlanta, of all places. And uh, I had a really close friend who was murdered in Atlanta while he was in college. And that, um, it's kind of a long story, but the short version is I, I, was, um, I was actually staunchly against firearms. I thought they were a scourge on humanity, and I was bitter at the fact that this evil thing, the firearm, had, you know, snuffed out the life of my best friend. And, you know, it wasn't until I went out and took some classes and got myself some better information that I realized that the firearm wasn't responsible for my friend's death at all. It has no brain. It has no emotions. It has no preferences. has no likes or dislikes. It's just a tool. And I know that's a cliche in the training community, but it's true and there's no other way to say it it's just a tool and so my anger was misdirected um and i learned that 
firearms work just as well in a good person's hand as they do in a bad person's hand, to quote another cliche. So that was kind of how my journey began, and here I am almost 15 years later. What is your carry gun of choice? One of them. Uh, which one? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I've switched recently for a lot of reasons, but right now I am carrying, when I can, I carry two Glock 17s, um, one on my right hip and the other on my left. Hip. Oh, man. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, if I can get away with it, I'll also carry a Glock 26 or a 27 on my ankle. Um, but I'm not always able to do that. And that, and I, you know, I get people ask me all the time, you really need three guns and that sort of thing. And of course, and I don't have to explain that to you, but for me, I think it's actually a, maybe a slightly different reason why I do that. I do it not so much not only because of, you know, having backup plans for malfunctions or if a gun gets damaged in, in a shooting incident or anything like that, but I also do it for accessibility options because um, I've learned that my um, guns on my waist are very difficult to access from a seated position, i.e. in my car. Um, and so... It could be, I've learned from, you know, dry work that depending on the circumstances, which of course you never get to know in advance, it might actually be easier to reach a firearm on your ankle while you're seated in your car than the firearm on on your side. I'm not a huge fan. I know there's a lot of folks who disarm and sit their firearm in the console or in the cup holder or something like that while they're driving. Not a huge fan of that. So I'd rather keep my guns on my body at all times. And so that's one reason why I carry on my ankle when yeah. I can. Yeah. As, as soon as soon as I asked the question, my mind flashed on who trained you. And I thought, yeah, we come from the same schools, basically. <laughs> so I was like, let me, let me rephrase that. <laughs> yeah. folks, folks don't it, understand. That's right. I had another situation in a force on force um, scenario where I ended up having to pull my gun from, I was on the floor. I had been knocked down somehow, or I think it might've been a robbery, a robbery situation. And the perpetrator demanded that everybody get out on the floor. And so I was sort of feigning compliance for a minute while I figured out what my tactical options were. And so I ended up on the floor and I got pushed and I was on my side and kind of rolling around and Long story short, it just it was a physical situation that didn't allow as ready access to my hips as it did to my ankle, and so that was another situation where I was really glad that I had that I had a, a, you know a, a third spare on my ankle. So it's just it's just something to think about. Here's one thing: when I was teaching, um, one time I had some people from the Bureau of Prisons, the, the women who work in the prison system. Um, Back in the day, holsters weren't real friendly to women. You guys are kind of built a little different than us, thank God. Just a little different. Have they gotten better with the um, selection? Um, yes and no. Um, 
They have in the sense that folks are starting to zero in on the fact that this is a this is a relatively untapped market. Um, and so it's starting to get a little bit flooded now. The good thing about that is there are more options. The bad thing about that is there are no training prerequisites for anybody to get into the holster making business. So, um, so while there are some really innovative ideas out there for bra carry and, you know, weird little cross draw looking things and appendix and purse carry and all that kind of stuff, I would, I would strongly encourage women to do as much research as they possibly can on these unconventional carry methods um, and make sure that they're educated on all the pros and cons before venturing out into something like that. I agree that that women need to be creative in their carry methods lest they risk um, waking up one day and saying, you know what, screw this, I'm just not going to carry, it's too hard, it's not comfortable. That that was my fear in finding a comfortable carry mode because I didn't want to be that woman who decided one day that it just wasn't worth it to endure the discomfort. And sure enough, that would be the day. <laughs> you know, so I didn't want to be in that position. Um, but you know, again, the flip side to that is you you don't want to get caught with one of these sort of Yahoo designs that doesn't make sense and sacrifices safety. You know, believe it or not, that happens to folks who have to carry for their jobs when you first start off you have five weapons systems all over you got magazines and speed loaders and you got strips and clips you got all kind of stuff and then as you um get a little mature in the system a little mature as a concealed carry holder your guns get smaller and you carry less Mm -hmm. ammo and then by the time Mm -hmm. you're you're a seasoned detective or um, protective agent you got a Walter PPK looking like Bond, some real little teeny gun. The, 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 the guns slowly shrink out of existence. Um, and that's, I don't think nobody's talked about that yet, but that's what you hit happens to, to guys too, not knowing it or not. The longer you are in this thing, if you're not training, not keeping abreast of what's happening, just being, and you used that word, you said, um, it's not comfortable anymore. It's, Mm-hmm. You, just, you don't want your carry to. You don't want carrying to be a chore. Yeah, that's yeah. that's my my biggest fear. And I remember when I first started carrying, I had a whole bunch of male trainers, and I did what they did. And I said, sure, all you got to do is you know put on a belt, big strong belt, two inches thick, you know. And and I would carry, and I'd convince myself that I was doing the right thing. But I couldn't escape this subconscious thought that, you know what, this is not for me. I feel awful. It's not comfortable. I can't wear any any variety of clothing. I can only wear big, giant, blousey shirts and sweatshirts over it. And so I felt myself leaning towards that day where I'd wake up and say, it's just not worth it. I'm going to do without today. Um, so I, had, I, I ended up kind of improvising um, and I more or less designed my own holster, if you will. I, I bought some gear and took it to a seamstress and had it altered and fixed it up the way I wanted it. And it's been a kind of an iterative process. I've taken one set of gear and had it done up and decided what I liked about it and what I didn't like about it and then rebought everything, took it back to the seamstress, said, okay, now let's make these tweaks. So it's a it's a never-ending process of, of trying 
striving for that perfect balance. And, you know, just like everything in life, for every benefit that you gain, you risk maybe losing one or accepting or tolerating a, a disadvantage. So, you know, all of that has to factor in. But I would just encourage carriers, especially women, to, you know, really prioritize um, comfort and don't let any guy tell you that, you know, oh, you got to carry, you know, a big, huge gun because you're a wuss if you don't, <laughs> you know, or you're a girl. I, To me, obviously, we want to carry as much gun as we possibly can. But any gun is better than no gun, quite frankly. Um, and so, you know, I used to, for 10 years, I carried two 1911s. And I got to tell you, <laughs> you keep laughing at me. I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> no, we, 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 we from the same tribe. That's all. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, and to me, that's a perfect example of the compromises that you have to make in order to ensure that you got something on you at all times. Because, man, I love, love my 1911s, right? There's no trigger like it in the world. The grip is perfect for me. I I shot them well. They're 45s. You know, I just really, really loved my 1911s. But it, it just got to the point where they were getting more and more difficult to conceal. Um, and I got to the point where I, I was starting to want to increase my ammo capacity and that sort of thing. So the Glocks are, they're a lot smoother on the contours. And so I just find that with a Glock, I'm much better able to wear a feminine shirt if I need to, because it'll flow more seamlessly over the edges of a Glock than it will over the more pointy um, edges of the 1911s with the hammer and everything and that long beaver tail. Preach now. <laughs> but I say all that to say, you know, to eat his or her own, right? I'm a, I'm a certain size woman. I have, you know, my shape. Everybody's shaped differently. Other women might be able to conceal something different, you know? So... I just I would I would just encourage women not to not to take everything that their male counterparts tell them as, you know, as biblical scripture um and don't be afraid to get out there and experiment and don't be afraid to, you know, to fail and I I'm using my air quotes now because when I quote unquote failed with my first experimental holster, it just informed me on what I needed to do in order to make it better, so Keep at it. That's some good stuff right there. What kind of um, 1911 did you have? I had a Kimber, well, two Kimbers, um, Pro Carry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we from the same tribe. It's just. <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing about the Kimber, though, the ones that I carried were four inch, and I um, wanted to go to the slightly longer barrel. So that was another thing. With, and that was another reason why I went with the Glock 17 instead of the Glock 19 which I know the Glock 19 is every Glock person's favorite Glock, but I actually like the 17 better. I can't really put my finger on exactly why, but I shot it better. It was it felt better, and I was slightly disappointed because the, the 19 is more compact, but, you know, all things considered, I did better with the 17, so that's what I'm carrying now. Same. Um, 
I bought a reconditioned 17 from the DC Metropolitan Police back in 1986. The original Glock, you know, the first first batch, and uh, it still rocks. And then um, I have an updated Generation 3. Um, and I was a 1911 and a Browning high power guy forever and a day, but um, for the same reasons, for comfort, for being able to maneuver it, um, hide it, conceal it, do whatever I need to do with it, I would have to go back to the Glocks. But you, you said it, you said it, you said it best. So that's just kind of, that's just kind of cool. How can people find you on the web? Um, what's your URL and all that good stuff? Um, well, my blog is frontsightpress.com. Um, that's S-I-G-H-T, frontsightpress. And uh, you can contact me from there. There's a contact form, which comes straight to my email inbox. And uh, I'd like to think I'm pretty good at getting back to people. So if you contact me, you should hear back from me within a day or so, if that long. All right, Miss Tiffany. I want to thank you for being such a great, informative, and gracious host and putting up with me and all our different um, schedule hacks we had all this week. Um, but I hope, <laughs> hope to get you on again soon um, on the show. Thanks. It was fun. I appreciate it. All right. This is Tiffany Johnson, FrontsightPress.com. Out of Memphis, she's an instructor at Range Masters. And um, if you're in Memphis, please go find her. <laughs> Get the book that started it all. Black Man with a Gun Reloaded. It's the story of a man who has helped change gun rights in America, one heart at a time. It's a primer for the firearms enthusiast, and it's a fun read. It's the story of Ken Blanchard, host of Blanchard Outdoors. Get yours on Amazon.com or on the website at BlanchardOutdoors.com. Direct from our newsroom in Washington, in color. All right, this is from David Cole from BlackManWithTheGun.com. He says, B-A-T-F-E, zombies. Today, the B-A-T-F-E announced that the proposed framework for banning the popular 5.56 by 45 millimeter M855 green tip ammunition was being withdrawn. And he won't be able to get down into the weeds with analysis on this move. And there are plenty of places and spaces that you can get that for. Rather, he'd like to do two things. First of all, a big high five to every gun owner who submitted a comment and reached out to their elective representatives. There can be little doubt that the BATFE was surprised at the energetic reaction to their overreaching and illegal attempt to infringe on the Second Amendment. Had our response been lukewarm, I doubt they would have even hesitated to forge ahead with their plan. Second, I want to remind everybody, anyone who has not submitted a comment, that is not too late, and it is still important to do so. The official comment period does not close until... March 16th, 2015, so please add yours. If you're listening to this after the fact, get on it. doesn't matter. Today's announcement should remove any doubt that our attention and actions on these types of issues does make a difference. Check out the website. Dave gives a link that you can submit your comment now. And because if you haven't figured it out yet, the dedicated gun control types who inhabit the BATFE, DOJ, and other divisions of the executive branch are certainly not done. Note that the BATFE announcement specifies that they will not seek to issue a final ban, quote, at this time. And like zombies, they're never really dead and will never stop. They may be down, but they're definitely not out. If you wish to preserve our gun rights, we can't stop either. Thank you, Dave. And that's from Dave Cole, 
writing from Gun Rights Magazine on blackmanwithagun.com. All right, that's it for this week. Remember, when you focus on your problems, you'll have more problems. When you focus on possibilities, you'll have more opportunities. This is your friend and your brother, Ken Blanchard. And just in case nobody else has told you today, I love you. And it's not a darn thing you can do about it. All right, this concludes another week of us being together. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me at blackmanwithagun.com and all my sites on blanchardmediagroup.com. Until next week, shalom, baby. <laughs> <laughs>